Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast. Fearless Mom is a shame-free, guilt-free, judgment-free community of moms who are doing our best to set our kids up for their best. We know you're busy, Mom, so we don't want to add to your already long to-do list. We just want to help you be intentional in what you're already doing. This season will help moms better understand themselves and their children as they embrace the responsibility of raising up children who become resilient, courageous, and hopeful adults. We'll talk about everything from the value of daily rhythms and routines to creating your own family boundaries with technology. And rest assured, we most definitely will laugh along the way. It is our theme verse after all, Proverbs 31, 25. She is clothed with strength and dignity and she laughs without fear of the future. Hey there guys, this is Julie Richard. I'm so glad that you are joining us today. We are in the series called lighten your load as we are learning how to embrace the weighty responsibility without letting motherhood weigh us down as we've talked about worry and mom guilt. And we're going to continue talking about mom guilt today. We discussed that there were different kinds of mom guilt. There are things that we've actually done wrong and we have to learn how to respond to mistakes that we make and then assumed mistakes or assumed misses. And so before we dig in, I would love to pray, and then we're going to get going. God, thank you so much for today. We thank you for the blessing, the responsibility, the gift of motherhood. And we ask right now that you settle our hearts and minds and open our eyes and ears so we can see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can walk and live and parent in freedom and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, guys, we've been talking about mom guilt, and we broke it down. We said mom guilt is a part of everyone's life, and everyone experiences it. It is totally normal, but that doesn't mean we have to settle for letting us weigh it down. We all carry it in our mom bags, but it doesn't have to weigh us down. So we said there are different kinds of mom guilt. There is mom guilt that we refer to as accurate mom guilt, about accurately seen or experienced mistakes and misses. And we have to address those because nobody's perfect. And so we have to go through the 4A process. But then we also discuss the category of assumed mom guilt. And assumed mom guilt is when we carry guilt, we feel guilt for circumstances that are beyond our control or for choices that aren't actually mistakes or misses. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Choices that are beyond our control, or maybe choices that aren't mistakes and misses. And so I have Julia Fortman with us today because, Julia, today we're talking, really, we're going to talk about assumed in general, but we're going to really focus on mom guilt with working moms. Because when I started to look for articles and resources about mom guilt, what it is and how to address it, so many were specifically addressing working mom guilt. And so 
I brought in Joya because, you know what? I was a working mom with the definition of I was working with my children at home. I was a full-time mom. And we do recognize all of you who are full-time moms. That is work. But Julia, you actually worked outside the home in addition to working inside the home. So Julia, we're so glad you're with us. Happy to be here. Now tell us a little bit about your family and your career working outside the home. Sure. So those of you who have heard from me before, you know, as I like to say, I'm a wife of one and mom of three. Greg and I have been married for almost 20 years, and we have two boys and a girl, ages 15, 13, and 9. And I've worked for almost 25 years in public education. I've had roles as a classroom teacher, a campus administrator, and I've led district initiatives. I've worked full-time, I've worked part-time, and I've worked from home. And I have a passion for education. I think it's just incredible that in our country, we have the right to a free education. We are free to learn to think critically and pursue whatever career path we want. And I don't think there is any other career more important than being a teacher or working for the systems that support them so that every child has the opportunity to learn from an empathetic, resilient adult who's knowledgeable in their craft and inspire success in their students. And I've enjoyed teaching both children and adults in my career, and I love sharing this background with the Fearless Mom community, too. Well, we are so appreciative because in addition to helping us you know, work on the discussion questions for our groups because of your experience teaching adults, you actually bring your experience from the classroom and your experience with the administrators, what they're addressing in the public schools to our content. So when we choose a topic, it a lot of times comes from what you are seeing, trends and patterns that you're seeing in public schools. So Joya's passion um, is evident, and we are so grateful to learn from her. So I love that you, because you have done it all. You have literally taught children and adults, and you have worked full-time, part-time, and from home. Right. So, all right. Talk about working in elementary education, and how did that influence you and Greg for you to continue when you were making the decision, do we want to continue working after we have kids? Well, first of all, I'm just super thankful that pregnancy lasts nine months so that we have time to think about it and talk about it over multiple conversations. That's a great point. But um, working in an elementary school, I had been in an elementary school for seven years before I had kids. And so I got to see so many examples of family dynamics. I worked with children who had stay-at-home moms, full-time working moms, part-time working moms, Moms who traveled, moms and dads who traveled, kids whose nannies were more involved in their lives than their parents, and kids who had older siblings that were super involved in raising them. And in all these scenarios, I saw children and families that were thriving. I saw others just barely surviving and others failing miserably. And by that, I mean, in each scenario, there were stay-at-home moms who were rocking it, and there were others who came out of their high-powered careers and were micromanaging their families and, in some cases, smothering them. I saw working moms who traveled and yet had very well-adjusted, happy, successful families. And I saw working moms who were so disconnected from their families that their marriage and their children were falling apart. It, it was just, I was just given the benefit of seeing that it, there isn't really a right and wrong way to approach working or not after you have kids. It truly comes down to what's best for you and your family. And that gave me the confidence about having this conversation with my husband and that we really did have the freedom to choose what was best for us, but we also had the responsibility to make it the best for us. 
Does that make sense? I definitely think so. And again, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about sometimes um, we feel guilt for circumstances beyond our control. And sometimes we feel guilt for decisions and choices that weren't actually mistakes. And I think that working outside the home can fall into both of those categories. It can. I definitely think so. I definitely experienced both. So how did you and Greg determine what was best for your family? So as you were making the decision, you said, what is best for our family? Well, first we considered our life circumstances and the personal and family goals that we had. And and at the end of the discussion, we determined that my salary and continuing on my career path was important to our family and professional long-term goals. Personally, I love contributing to something that's bigger than myself and my family, and I thrive when I have problems to solve and feel like I'm making a difference in the community. And like I said, I'm just so happy that we had nine months to figure this out. That's such a great point. Um, But I do also understand that this is just me, and I do believe there's extreme value in staying at home. Um, I feel like some moms are just totally fulfilled by the joys and challenges and responsibility of raising kids. I mean, Mother Teresa even said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. I don't think as women that we are called to do anything more. And I also think it's possible to achieve this, whether you work outside the home or not. Some women know before they even have kids that they're called to stay at home. That was the case for you, right? It was. I Very early on, I knew that was, you know, part of it, my guess is it was just my experience and my exposure, Mm -hmm. where I grew up, how I grew up. I don't know. It wasn't a struggle for me. Uh, That's what I would say. It wasn't a struggle. I knew I wanted to do it. I Also, my husband has a career that I participate in. So I had responsibilities outside the home. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, my good friend, Ashley Horn, she would be considered a stay-at-home mom, but she definitely is involved in her husband's career and his business. He's a dentist, and she helps run the office as far as interviewing people to hire and helping make sure the office is ready. So both of us, I would say, we, so Mac is in ministry. I have other friends in ministry who would technically be stay-at-home moms, but they do have responsibilities outside the home too. I think that makes a difference. It does. I have other friends who volunteer significantly in their communities and they have other responsibilities. I don't know that there is a right or wrong. It is determining what are your personal values, as you said, yours and Greg's. You have to come to a conclusion. The prayer is clarity and unity. Mm -hmm. And then we take this step for right now. I also think there are seasons. For sure. And you say, this is what is right for us right now. But yeah, for sure. I wanted to be a mom. I loved being a mom. And for me, I think trying to do both and help Mac, it would have been, I don't know. I just don't, I would say it was beyond my capacity, but I do think it worked for us, you know, but I also believe that if you look at Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman, she looked at fields and bought them and sold them for a profit. There's a biblical model there. She definitely had responsibilities outside her home as well. She took care of the responsibilities inside her home and outside her home. And so I think it's whatever works for you in this season. Yes. And I also think that I could have looked at it as I was forced to work in order to sustain our living arrangements and to achieve our family goals. And 
I could have had the mindset that it was a burden on me to have a job outside the home, but I chose to look at it as an opportunity to achieve my career goals and to contribute an income to our family. And I believe it forced me to teach my children to be independent by putting structures and systems in place that helped us all be successful. I chose to look at it positively. Okay. Mindset is so important. And that is your choosing Mm -hmm. an internal locus of control. You were not a victim of your circumstances. Right. You said, this is the circumstance and this is how we will choose to respond to it. Correct. Correct. But did I ever feel guilt? Yeah. (laughs) There were times that I was up late finishing up on all the things around the house and wrapping up things that I hadn't quite finished for work and I didn't get enough sleep. And in the day or possibly even days that followed, I know I was shorter with my kids and my husband than necessary. And I know that there was misdirected yelling and irritability. And, you know, now that I'm 15 years into balancing work and marriage and motherhood, I have a better perspective on which of the tasks were important and which I could simply let go of. But back then it was all important and it was really hard to tell what I could let go of. And when I think back to those moments of sleep deprived irritability um, that I misdirected at my kids and my husband, I do, I do feel a sense of regret about that. But I think that is everyone in every situation. We say hindsight is twenty twenty. We all look back and say in motherhood, this I would do differently, that I would do differently, this I would never do again, that I definitely, you know, I would yeah. choose to do that. I think I, that's part yeah, of growth. It is. I also remember times when my boys were were real little, when they were toddlers and they were having meltdowns as I dropped them off at daycare and I couldn't stay until the situation had diffused because I had a meeting to get to. And it was really hard to walk away trusting that the teachers would be able to handle it. And I, I felt envious that the teachers got to be the ones to handle it. Wow. And then... I would sit in the meeting sometimes and I'd carry that weight in there and I would feel a sense of, I'd feel resentful almost that I had to set aside the needs of my child to deal with the needs of someone else's child. Oh, what a great awareness Mm -hmm. for you to look back and and be able to see that that was what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. I can... I can only imagine. I think that that maternal instinct is in you wherever you are mm-hmm. and managing the tension between I want to do my best as a mom and I want to do my best at work. It is a real tension. And I, I will say that in those moments, it was hard to remember that I chose to set aside the my child's needs to work. But you can catch your thoughts yes. and be mindful and intentional. Excellent, excellent. Julia, when we come back, I want to talk more about at work, how when you were working outside the home, how you learned to address accurate and assumed mom guilt. I'm always looking for trusted, helpful resources to share with our fearless mom audience. We want to help you filter through the clutter of all the authors and so-called parenting experts out there. Dr. Chinway Williams is a therapist, speaker, and author from Atlanta, Georgia, and we love what she writes and says, especially about practical ways we can help our kids feel seen. This is an important part of creating a home that feels safe and secure. 
as well as strengthening the parent-child connection. And we are thrilled that she'll be with us at the 2023 Fearless Mom Conference in February. We have a special offer just for you. Use the discount code PODCAST to save $10 on your registration. You can get more information and register at fearlessmom.com. Okay, Julia, we appreciate so much your sharing from your experience. And so working outside the home, there's accurate and assumed mom guilt. For sure. So help us understand. Well, I think if we look back at the scenarios I just gave, if you yelling or snapping at my kids or my husband, that's accurate. I, I made, I, that was a mistake. And that's something that I can address. I can apologize for. I can work to improve that. Um, you can assume, go through the whole 4A process. You bet. You can. I can. Assumed, I think, there when I would walk away when my kids were having a meltdown um, and carrying that guilt into the meetings uh, afterwards, I think, and all the thoughts that followed throughout the day, that's where, I, that, I mean, those are two examples that I think I experienced. You bet. Both. So the reasons that we assume guilt, I think the underneath, if we look at our mom guilt and we look at especially the circumstances beyond our control, feeling guilty for that, or feeling guilt for mistakes that aren't necessarily mistakes, or even the accurate mom guilt. We beat ourselves Mm -hmm. up for making a mistake, and we carry the guilt longer than we should be. Instead of seeing guilt as, actually, this can be productive. Guilt comes from, oh, you know, nudging us to acknowledge that we made a mistake and move forward. It's all about unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And unrealistic expectations, I think, are... They result from perfectionism or comparison, expecting ourselves to be perfect. And then when we're not, when we fall short of perfect, we beat ourselves up or comparing ourselves to others. Well, she's able to manage this. Well, look at her. She appears to have it all together and she has four children. She has a job that requires more of her. And so we begin then to expect ourselves to either be perfect or to measure up to someone else. Oh, I can totally relate to that. And and I think to understand where it comes from, you really have to take time to reflect, which is so hard, especially when you have little ones, to have that downtime to yourself. It doesn't have to be daily, I don't think, but even taking a moment at the end of the year to think about your wins and losses. throughout the year or on a child's birthday to get up a little early and take some time to reflect about some of the things that you're really proud of that, you know, or memories that you really enjoyed and then things that you would wish that you could do differently. Or maybe on your anniversary to take time and say, okay, now we've been married for five years. Let's think about where we, you know, the, the highs and lows of the past five years and what do we want for the next five? Anytime you can take a step back, then you, it gives you space to to get curious about what you're feeling guilty about. And sometimes it comes up as, you know, resentment or sometimes it comes up as disappointment. But anytime you feel those uncomfortable feelings, you know, to really look at what is this telling me? What does this have? What can I learn from this? You bet. It's pausing. It's just being mindful Mm -hmm. of what you're actually feeling and going, what thoughts are triggering those feelings? Mm -hmm. Am I thinking I should be perfect? Mm -hmm. Or are you overplaying Mm -hmm. that mistake and you're catastrophizing? I think we have a tendency to fantasize and catastrophize. For sure. And I think like I looked at unrealistic expectations and 
and couple it with perfectionism, I seek out experts in anything that I'm interested in, whether it's nutrition or potty training or how to get child children to sleep. This is what Julia does. For the record, this is what she does about everything, which has been a huge help in Fearless Mom, because any topic that we mention, she has found the (laughs) ultimate authority and is sending me articles and podcasts and blog posts and all of these resources coming from the top person in the field. Yes, it's it's just my lens and I can't help it. But the thing that I can help is that I hold myself to that that level of expertise in, in every area, every area. which and is not realistic. No. You're amazing, Julia, but <laughs> no. you're human. No, no, there, I know. And I remember feeling so guilty when I had to wake up my boys when they were little to go to school. And um, I remember the teacher sending us articles and looking at sleep training books. And it was, oh, you know, it's so important that they get 12 hours of sleep and blah, blah, blah. Well, if I was going to get my kids 12 hours of sleep, they would literally have to come home, walk in the door, eat dinner, and go directly to bed. There would be no playtime. They might not have seen my husband for days. And, you know, I remember like the pressure that I put on myself to rush through cooking dinner and to rush through bath time and to rush into playtime, which I'm pretty sure no one really enjoyed anyway. It was more forced because <laughs> we had to get it in because that We're connecting required time. to have playtime. <laughs> Was it's important. right now. Um, so that they could get to sleep. You know, I remember feeling guilty when they had to go to camps on days that they were off of school and thinking, oh, all of their friends were home, you know. Uh, and that wasn't true because they were in camps with them. Right. Those camps were full, right? <laughs> yes. There's no way that every kid was there because his or her mother was right. working. Right. And so, you know, I think that sometimes we we all do that. We fantasize about what it's really like. And it sometimes like in the moment, I remember like getting up to go to camp and feeling bad, like, oh, all their friends get to sleep in today and not even accurately realizing they're in camp with their friends. Right. <laughs> if you pause and look at the facts, then you recognize. But I believe so often, yes, it's perfectionism and comparison. And then when you are in the situation, whatever the situation, we tend to fantasize or catastrophize. When I do make a mistake, I catastrophize and think, oh my word, my child's going to end up in juvie because everyone's talking about how attachment is so important and I just dropped him off without a hug and it's going to scar him for the rest of his life. That is our mind naturally overplaying a situation, overplaying the devastation that may be non-existent. Right. Do you know what really helped me with that is your prayer God, you parted the Red Sea. Please erase that from their memory. Isn't that, you know, I prayed that prayer a lot. I'm glad that it helped you. It has. In fact, recently I've asked my kids about a few things like allergy testing. I'm like, oh gosh, do you remember how bad that was when you got all those pricks in your back? What are you talking about, mom? Like, wait, what? You don't remember that? Excellent. Excellent. Oh, my word. They're very resilient and they have short memories. That's excellent. That is so great. But I think we catastrophize. We also fantasize. Mm -hmm. We imagine if I were not working, then my children would have slept in and we would have have had the most wonderful morning and everyone would have gotten along all day. (laughs) Or if I... Sorry, did I laugh out loud? Right. If I didn't work, then I would have been able to prepare a meal that everyone would have enjoyed and we would all be sitting around the table 
discussing our day and looking at the feelings chart and developing emotionally and intellectually around the dinner table. And that is not necessarily the way it's playing out. Right. But that is what your mind does. We catastrophize and we fantasize instead of looking at what really yeah. is. But, you know, we, we can all say, you know, it would have been better if, but the reality is we didn't go down that path. So we don't know if it would have been better. There's no way to know. And, you know, there was a period of time after my daughter was born that we thought, you know what, this, you need to stay home now because there's just too much going on. Well, I ended up through the experience of teaching my boys how to tie their shoes realizing that if that there was a way to do this better. And I ended up inventing a shoelace, working with a patent attorney. I hired one of my former students to do the graphics. And here I was out in children's shoe stores, pitching these new shoelaces that are going to help kids learn to tie their shoes. I don't know if you know this, but tie-dye and toddlers don't really go well together. <laughs> and so um, it, caused, it was a moment for me to like step back and go, you know, I really need something to do. And so, uh, you know, we had this idea like, yep, you should be home. This is what we need right now. And it turns out that was not even the case at all. That was not the case at all. You mm -hmm. were finding work mm -hmm. wherever you were. Mm -hmm. Your drive to use that part mm -hmm. of your brain. There's no right or no wrong. There is no one size fits all. But for Julia and her family, everyone learned, benefited, yeah. and you learned. And it took time to put in right. practices in your family and systems in your family to make it work for you. And I believe wholeheartedly, whether you are staying at home full time, whether you are working full time, working part time, whatever it is, that we all have to learn what is right for our family, not just about working outside the home, but for our rhythms and our rituals and what is important to us. Because again, that bar of perfectionism, the curse of comparison, we have to give ourselves grace daily and space for what we call good enough. Yes. Because yes. we cannot, we are not going to be experts at everything. We're not going to hit an A plus at all the things every single day. And I think setting the bar that high sets us up for mom guilt. So thank you for coming to my parenting lesson. <laughs> it's true though. <laughs> I look back and when I think about how these moms are really working so hard when we put it out on social media and the number one concern, the number one source of mom guilt was what they are feeding their young children. And obviously that was from parents whose kids are still at home and they were and they still have control over they what still they have eat. control over what they're eating and i think wow what pressure it is because you have access to so much information to feed all these foods to also okay it also says they have to get this much sleep it also research shows that they need this much playtime research shows that they need this much downtime and we're trying there aren't enough hours in the day to hit an a plus in every area every day. There's not. And so instead of fantasizing or catastrophizing, I think it's better to look back at what actually happened with curiosity. Celebrate your wins. It's important to do that. It's important to celebrate those wins and repeat them and correct the, your mistakes. An apology is not enough. You've got to change the behavior as well. That's got to follow up, follow up your, your apology. Um, otherwise it's empty, but we can I do think it. We have to do both. Right. I think we can do it. And I, I think we can work together to encourage each other. Mm -hmm. I think we can work together to 
speak life into other moms, moms that are doing things differently than you. We give space and grace to ourselves, and we give space and grace to other moms as we cheer them on. Yes. What is it you say? Give honor and grace and run your own race? You bet. I do say that. Yes. Give honor and grace and run your own race. That's a great way to end today as we work together to give honor and grace and encourage moms to run your own race. Thanks so much, Julia. I appreciate having you. This has been thoughtful and we appreciate your perspective. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fearless Mom Podcast. Through every conversation, every practical tool, and every moment we can point a mom to hope, we are so honored and grateful to share it with you. And if you're loving these conversations, let your friends know. Tell them about the Fearless Mom Podcast. It's the best way for moms to find out about our show. Also, we'd love it if you'd share a review or maybe leave us a rating wherever you listen to podcasts. And find us on Instagram at fearless underscore mom to stay up to date on all things Fearless Mom on all news and all events. We'll see you next time. And remember, mom, you're not alone. We're all in this together.